That is the refrain of missions. <laughs> Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Amen. That is the heart of God for the nations that we as his people would come together and magnify his name among the nations, drawing them into salvation and relationship with him. Uh, before I preach this morning, I want to invite, we've got a, uh, a panel of four people who have out of Enon Baptist Church already gone on missions. I want to invite you guys wherever you are. Are you still in the building today? Yeah, they're sitting in different places, so they're kind of scaring me a little bit. Uh, so y'all come on ahead, and uh, God has already begun to uh, birth missions into the heart of Enon Baptist Church. Long time ago, long time supporters of something called the Cooperative Program that uh, we're still supporters of. That's a Southern Baptist uh, way to give toward missions around the world. And uh, that has been part of the fit and fabric of, of uh, about said Sardis Baptist Church. You guys are not Sardis, you're <laughs> Enon Baptist Church. Uh, it's, it's part of their fabric too, but uh, we want to just enhance that. You know, God's been doing a work here. Uh, I love that these have been uh, involved in missions. John Hambright has come up several times as I've talked with this group of people about taking them on missions. And so I just want you to hear from them this morning. Let me introduce these to you. If you don't know who they are, this is Kelly Lett, and uh, she is 19. Is that correct? She has been in four different countries this year, not counting the United States, and uh, been on mission with Youth with a Mission. And she has been to South Africa and also to uh, Hungary, Romania, and Turkey. And uh, she has uh, been very busy this last year. And so God has done a good work in her and through her. And so this is Kelly Lett. This is Melissa Archer beside her. And uh, she's been a member here at Ean in a long time. And she has been to Guatemala. Uh, I said four times the first uh, service, but it's actually six times. And so she's been with Enon Baptist Church in Guatemala several times. And then th this is Lauren and Dan Arant. And uh, I said this in the first service, doesn't Dan have the best man beard? Like he really does. I, it took me 25 years to get where I could grow facial hair. And so I'm jealous of stuff like that. Uh, but uh, they're here. They were part of something called the Journeyman Program, which is uh, the International Mission Board. It's part of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's the foreign mission board of the Southern Baptist Convention. And the Journeyman Program is for um, people who have graduated college, they're young adults, and they commit two years to go on the international field and work right alongside missionaries on the international mission field. And so that's what they did right out of college. And that's actually where they met. And uh, Obviously, they've got a family now, and so it took, uh, and so we're, we're glad for that. Uh, let me just go through and ask a few questions, if we could, and just to let them know, let you guys know what's going on with, with them. Kelly, so you've been all over the place. You've been to four places in one year. Tell us kind of just a real brief sum summary of what you did on the field. Yeah, so um, like you said, I was been in four places. In South Africa, we mainly did like street evangelism and kids ministry um, within the neighborhoods that we were in. We were in Cape Town, um, and so we were doing ministry there. And then whenever we went to um, Hungary and Romania, we were really close to the Ukrainian border. And so we did a lot of Ukrainian ministry. So we were, um, every day we were just feeding them meals and being a listening ear to them and just like being a person that they could hug and just love on them. Um, and then in Turkey, we were working with Iranian refugees um, that had taken refuge in Turkey. Yeah, I love that. They were right in the middle of, of just being the hands of God, right in the middle of the crises that are around our world right now. And so um, let me ask you this. What was the greatest blessing that God did in you, your life during those days? Yeah, there's so many, so many blessings. But I would have to say that um, the biggest blessing 
was honestly just being able to like be a part of like being Jesus' hands and feet and just like seeing um, people meet Jesus for the first time and for them to finally grasp the love of God for themselves and just be like overtaken in his love and then to um, surrender their life to him. And that's just like, it just brings you so much joy that you can't find anywhere else. It's like what you were created to do and then you're like doing yeah, I love that. It's what you were created to do and I promise you if, you, if you will go with us on the international field and you see people give their life to Christ and Christ transform them, there's something in you that begins to just burn and say, this is what I was created for, is to tell people about Jesus. And so thank you, Kelly. Uh, Melissa, so you've been six times to Guatemala. Tell us, uh, you don't have to share about every trip, just tell us kind of what you guys did when you were in Guatemala. Um, we were evangelism-focused. Um, we worked with a local church, so we basically um, door-to-door on the streets, just whoever would listen, sharing the gospel. Um, we did a lot with, um, you know, the, the area we were in. We um, played with the kids, you know. We were able to share at a school one time. Every every trip was different, but the focus was evangelism and yeah. just witnessing. Yeah, and I love partnering alongside that local church. Mm-hmm. Was was really big, and so. You're a mom mm-hmm. of five, and so we talked in the first service. That was, that's not an easy thing to decide to go. So how did you come to that decision? What gave you peace there? Well, I, I felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit first, and then, um, of course, I went home and shared that with my husband, and he has always been very supportive of me, which is, is it's a must. I mean, because, you know, I'll be gone. He is the mom and the dad, and so um, never wavered. He just always supported me. And then the Lord, so the Lord gave me peace, but he also gave my family peace, yeah. which is, is, is vital. You just, which is so important to support your loved ones as they, as if the, the Lord is speaking to them to go. But um, everybody rallied, you know, and got it done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going, going on the mission field is difficult anyways, but especially with kids at home. And I, you know, I'm not a mom, obviously, but we've got four kids and I know the struggles with, uh, trying to get my kids on the on the mission field with with Natalie and the kids and it's, it that would be a hard thing to do and so uh, God worked that out and more than anything I want you to hear she that was a struggle but she had to have peace from God and help from her family and so uh, there are ways to still go on the mission field and be a mom or be a dad or you know all these other things that we think hold us back sometimes God says, look, I'll provide for that. If I want you to go, I'll give you peace and I'll help you out, whether that's in a family relationship or financially. And so God does those things. All right, so Lauren and Dan, tell us where you were and kind of what you did while you were there. Yeah, I was in Seville, Spain, and we worked with college students, so drank a lot of coffee, played a lot of soccer, Spaniards party a lot, we had a lot of parties, just engaged the college students around us. Yeah. English, we spoke, if you speak English, you um, are in a good spot in overseas, so did a lot of, what do you call it, um, exchanges, language exchanges. Yeah, just kind of a meetup where you would just mm-hmm. help them with their English, but it hopefully led to conversations. 30 minutes English, 30 minutes Spanish, Yeah. maybe I'll share the gospel, we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Dan? Yeah, uh, I was in uh, southern China, uh, working with, uh, most people don't know this, um, China has 53 minority peoples. Um, uh, spread across the country, and so um, I was there working with those unreached uh, minority groups. Um, year one was uh, literally taking a GPS device and and plotting coordinates of where these villages were. Year two, going back and, and reengaging with those uh, yeah. those villagers. So yeah. So if you think the Amazon, what we're going to talk about in a little while, is extreme, that's a lot more extreme. <laughs> plotting villages or, or or waypoints and stuff. So so you guys uh, went to the Journeyman program. And so that's, that's a bigger commitment than just going for a week, for sure. So how did you come to that decision? What led you to that? 
Um, I will say my dad had a huge influence in my life, grew up as a pastor's kid and um, probably to a fault. He has a passion for the loss. <laughs> and um, growing up, I, w- I went to LSU, active in their BCM, and they have a huge program uh, just going overseas, emphasis on missions. And so my sister actually um, went to China. She took a 40-day trip and a career missionary there with IMB said, you know, you should think about the journeyman program. And I think I had gone somewhere else that summer. And so we came back and talked about it. I think that was our freshman year. And I didn't go until after graduating college. So just a career person planting the seed. Hey, you should go do this. It would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan? Yep. Yep. Pretty similar, actually. We, we mentioned uh, John Hanbright, Brother John. Um, 100% I would say just him speaking that into my life uh, as as a young uh, high school kid. In fact, invited me, this is where Melissa and I met, uh, invited me to go to Guatemala, uh, and, but just said, Dan, I see this in you, and here's an option. Um, and so one of the things that we talked about in the first service that I would just, I would just challenge is we're very quick uh, to speak cynical words and, and negativity over our, our, our children, next generation, just the things that, why do we do this? Why do you guys do this? Um, how much of an impact could we have as a church if we speak life over uh, our students and, and, really, and really push them? Um, the second thing, Lauren and I were talking about this in, in, in between the services. Um, I, I want everyone to notice the gender ratio on this stage. Um, 75% female, 25% male. Um, and, and what we were talking about in between service is we spend men, uh, fathers, we spend thousands annually on um, sending our kids to sports camps, uh, other after-school activities, whatever it may be. What would happen if we specifically challenged and empowered our sons um, uh, to share the gospel and, and go overseas. So I just, I just wanted to call that out as a, as a challenge for us uh, because it was quite impactful uh, in my life when our pastor specifically said you um, uh, and spoke that over me. So Yeah, yeah that's really great. And so um, you guys were there for two years, and so you saw a lot of culturally different things than what we have here. So how did those two years impact when you came home? I think for me just... Um, it doesn't have to be glamorized going overseas. It doesn't have to be sensationalized. You just like go where the lost people are and do your life and invite them to come along. You know, um, it's simple. It's pretty simple. (laughs) And there's, I think we are in a very churched area, but I think there are still plenty of lost people around us. Um, and just challenging that just because we are in the church sitting in a pew does not necessarily mean we have a thriving, growing faith. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that you don't necessarily get on a short-term trip because short-term trips, you're going to go do clinics and you're going to go do children's events and door-to-door stuff. But if you live with people every single day, how do you share the gospel? Well, you've got to find ways, and you've got to find ways to meet people and build relationships. And so that's a great take on that. And Dan? Yep. Yeah, and you actually you will bring this up um, in, in your, uh, your notes. Um, I think uh, knowing or, or seeing how the gospel is just... It permeates every sphere, is what you'll say in a second. It permeates every sphere of, of influence that we have. Work, parenting, right? You're, you're going to name a few. Yeah. And I think that was what hit home for me is, like Lauren said, there is lostness around us everywhere. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So... All right, so God has already begun the missions before I ever entered onto the, the field here, and so I'm so thankful to be 
part of a church that loves missions already. And so thank you guys for sharing with us. Would you give them a hand this morning? All right, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah this morning, Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54, before we dive into scripture this morning, I just want to say a thank you to you guys for calling our family here. You have been so welcoming uh, in the first week. Natalie and I were having a conversation yesterday over in the house behind the church here, just how at home we feel already. And so thank you for loving on us. Um, some of you have brought meals and uh, other things, and uh, one of your classes stocked our whole pantry. And so we are just overwhelmingly blessed by you guys already. And so thank you for calling us here for that reason, but also thank you for calling us here because we met with Jesus this week and it was good for us to be here. And it reminds me of a story of a time when Jesus took Peter and James and John up on a mountain and just those four and he took them up there, and he was transfigured before them, and they saw his glory. They saw him. He was bright and shining, and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah were there speaking with Jesus. And out of sheer bewilderment, Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And that resonates with my heart. This week, it was good for us to be here because Jesus was here. Amen? Do you feel that way? It's just good for us to be here. And so, but I want to make a connection between that and what God is wanting to do in us in the days ahead. Because this, is, this really is just the beginning of what God wants to do. You know, revival is not just a, a moment in history. It's something that ought to propel the future. And so, think about that story again. Peter and James and John are there. And Peter, as always, is the one that speaks up. And when he gets finished saying, let's build three tents... A cloud falls on top of them, and they hear the voice of God the Father saying to them, This is my son that I love. Listen to him. And in that moment, the cloud lifts, and all they see is Jesus, and they walk down the mountain with him. Now, wasn't it good for Peter and James and John to be on that mountain? Yeah, it was good. They got to see Jesus in all of his glory. They got to hear the Father. But think about all the things that they would have missed if they had stayed on that mountain with Jesus. They would have missed the crucifixion. They would have missed resurrection. They would have missed their own salvation. They would have missed the Holy Spirit being poured out and the church being birthed in Acts. They would have missed all of those things had they stayed in that moment with Jesus. And I want to say to you, church, this morning, if we think we just want to be here with Jesus, we just want to meet here, let's build our little tent here with Jesus... We're going to miss what Jesus is doing in the world. And so the invitation is, as God draws us in, we've got to realize he is drawing us in to send us out. Whether that's to Morris or Kimberly or Warrior or the area around us, or it's to Brazil or South Africa or Guatemala or China, wherever God's working is where we want to be. And so this is just the beginning. It doesn't end here, it starts here. And so Isaiah chapter 54, I want to give you a background on this text. And so a man named William Carey was born in the 1700s in England. In the 1770s, he was a teenager, and he began to hear God call him to salvation. And so he gave his life to Christ in the 1770s, 
and began to preach. And as he began to preach, God began to speak to his heart that he needed to take the gospel to the nations. The ministers in his day around him really had no vision for that. And so he began to urge them, look, we've got to take the gospel to the nations. And he told them year after year after year, and no one was really catching on until four years after he began that missions push, they met in an associational meeting And William Carey preached from the text we're going to be looking at this morning in Isaiah 54. And in that moment, God used this text to spur 13 ministers to start something called the Baptist Missionary Society. First mission organization really of its kind. And it really gave birth to mission organizations like what we're a part of, the International Mission Board and the Home Mission Board. That all started in those days with William Carey and those other men And it all came out of Isaiah chapter 54. And coincidentally, that's the passage that God gave to your pastor, our pastor, about a year ago as he was making the decision to come here. And it says this in Isaiah 54 in verse 2. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess or inherit the nations and inhabit the desolate cities. Do not be afraid, for you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. Indeed, your husband is your maker. He is the, his name is the Lord of armies, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer." He is called the God of the whole earth. Carrie's message had two great principles. And it was this. Number one was expect great things from God. And number two was attempt great things for God. I want you to feel the weight of what Isaiah is saying in chapter 54. This is one of his prophecies called a messianic prophecy. He's prophesying that the Messiah will come. And part of these prophecies, many times in Isaiah, is this is this echoing through there that he's saying it's not just about the Jewish nation, it is about all nations. It's not just that he would come and rescue Israel, but he is also coming to rescue all nations. And so God says to the Israelite nation, you need to enlarge the sight of your tent. This is not just about you. You need to spread out your tent curtains. This is no small thing that God is doing. It is not limited to one nationality. Isn't that good? Think about it. If it was limited to one nationality, you and I wouldn't be here today. We'd be out wasting our time on something that had no eternal significance, headed toward a Christless eternity if this was about one nation. But God said to his people, no, it's not about just one nation. I'm using you to reach all nations, so spread out your tents. Get ready to draw other people in. And so, listen, it's, it's, it's bigger than what we could imagine down in verse 3 in that, that passage that we just read, it says this, Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. I've been a lot of different places in the world. There are a lot of desolate places with no hope of Jesus. One of them I think of is a city called Borba. Borba is on the Amazon River, city of about 5,000 people. When you pull up in your boat on the river... There's a statue there of St. Antonio, about 20, 25 feet tall, standing on the banks of the river with his arms stretched out. Heavily Catholic place, uh, big Catholic church right behind that. 
And I promise you, you will go in there and there are very few believers, like true believers. There's around 20 believers who make up the only evangelical church in that city. You can go door to door, do clinics, do different things. And what's going to happen is you're going to share the truth of the gospel with people. And the priest from the Catholic church is going to come in behind you. And he's going to tell them, don't believe those lies. It's a desolate place. It's a place where Satan has a grip. I, I think about other encounters we've had on the river. We pulled up to one man's house, and his house was right here, and the waters had risen so high that the water was about two feet below his house. We shared the gospel with him. He gave his life to Christ, and he made the statement, I never thought anyone would stop at my house. He was hopeless until someone brought him the gospel. I think about a, a situation where we were walking up to this house, and this man was out weed-eating his yard with a steel weed-eater. I don't know how that happens on the Amazon River, but he had a steel weed-eater. It's a good advertisement for steel weed-eaters. He was out doing that in his yard, and he saw us come in. And so he came in sweaty and grass all over him, came in the house and allowed us to share the gospel with him. His wife, after he gave his life to Christ, his wife came in. We shared the gospel again with her. And they both said to us before we left, you came at just the right time. They were desolate. They had no hope. I've been to a place in the Dominican Republic. We were doing a medical clinic, and I was sharing the gospel. That was my responsibility. The only thing I was supposed to do was share the gospel over and over and over for three days. And so that's what I did, and I would share the gospel. And people would say, yes, yes, yes. And then you would ask them, would you like to give your life to Christ? And they would say, no, because Satan had a grip on those villages. Satan was working there. I promise you, God's working there. He spoke to me. He gave me energy. He gave me strength in those days. But it was a desolate place. It really was. And listen, that's not just the truth on the foreign mission field. There are places all around us, even in the city of Morris, even in Kimberley, there are people who live in houses that you would look at and you would think they have everything the world could offer, and yet you walk in their house and you, you may find that they're very desolate. They're hopeless. Think about what Jesus said. He said, it's hard for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, listen, it's not just on the foreign mission field, it's right here. There are desolate places that God is calling us to go and share the gospel. And so, what is God's, what is God's solution to that problem? He says to churches, just like Enon Baptist Church, spread out your tents. Think big. Dream big. Imagine what God could do if you'll just go. And then answer that call and take the gospel to Morris and Kimberly and Warrior and Trafford and Gardendale and everywhere else he calls us to go in this local area. And to the nations, spread your tents out. One of the things that, that I love about the gospel is, and Dan referenced this a second ago, the gospel is not just about how we go to heaven. You realize that? There are people all over this planet who are living lives with no purpose and no hope. Because there is a kingdom that has been given to Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20 says that all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And our responsibility as Christians is to take his kingdom and usher it into every sphere that we find ourselves in. Because listen, there are people every single day around us and around the world who have no clue that there is one who has all authority. They don't even have a clue that their lives are being, being lived in a purposeless, hopeless way. They have no clue. And so it's up to us to go and say, look, there is one who has all authority. You have a purpose. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. 
You know, that doesn't just happen on the foreign mission field. If you're a little league ball coach, guess what? Your responsibility is to bring the kingdom of God into that team. That doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't mean you have to be beat like a redheaded stepchild. It doesn't mean all that. It actually means you coach with excellence, but you point your boys to a reality that's bigger than winning a ball game. That means that as we raise our kids in our home, we teach them that grace of God and we teach them the holiness of God because we know not that God is some domineering authoritative person who wants to just control everything we know that he has the best plan for our lives and so we bring the kingdom of God into our houses we bring the kingdom of God into our workplaces because the kingdom of God is it works on a different work ethic than everyone else around us and when they see us do our jobs with excellence we can point them to the one who controls us in a different way, who has authority over our lives. The kingdom of God, listen, is up to us to take it into every sphere in which we find ourselves. And so, I want to give you a few tent pegs this morning. This passage of Scripture talked about spreading out your tents, lengthening your ropes, and driving your tent pegs deep. I want to give you five tent pegs that if we're going to do foreign missions, international missions from Enon Baptist Church, these five things are essential. They are necessary that we do these as a church and as individuals in the days ahead. Here's the first tent peg that I encourage us to drive deep. The first tent peg is pray. We've spent a lot of time in prayer this week. Prayer is the foundation of absolutely everything we're being called to do. In the days ahead, you will begin to see prayer needs put before you. They'll be put out in publications. They'll be put out on our screens, on our social media. We're going to ask you to pray for some specific needs related to some trips that we're going to be taking. Some of you, hopefully, are going to be going on trips with us. And as those trips come up, we're going to put out prayer needs. Maybe some of you will be asked to be a prayer partner for someone who's going on a trip. And so we're going to put out prayer needs for that. We're going to put out prayer needs for the partnerships that God leads us to. That's one of the things we'll talk about in a second. We hope that God brings us partners who are already working on the mission field. And we're going to be putting prayer needs out in front of you. That's the first tent peg, prayer. We've got to pray. Listen, the Bible says in the book of John, we can do nothing apart from him. And if we don't pray, we can go everywhere we want to go, all over this world, and we will be fruitless. If we want to be fruitful, it starts with prayer. Here's the second tent peg. We've got to give. We've got to give. Now, very simply, at Enon, we did not do special missions offerings. The only two that we do during the year are the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which goes to international missions, and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which goes to home missions. We do those two as special emphases. But other than that, we don't do special mission offerings. So how do we give to missions? How do you give? How do I give to missions? Well, the way our budget is set up at Enon is a 90-10 budget. And so we, whatever has come in, we budget 90% of that. And then the remaining 10% of that is set aside for some different things. That 90% includes, 5% uh, of that 90 includes something called the cooperative program. And that's how we give to the Southern Baptist Convention. And what that is, the Southern Baptist Convention is, is churches just like us all over this country joining together and saying we can do more together than we can separately. And so we give to that. That's part of our budgets, 5% of that 90. And then the other 10%, that's the 90. The other 10% is divided into two categories. One is 
80% of that 10 is for future projects that God wants to do right here at Enon Baptist Church. And then the last 20% is something called a sending fund. I was having a conversation with Pastor Zach a few moments ago. That sending fund through your giving has already increased to about $100,000. Amen? Isn't that good? We didn't have a special missions offering for that. That was because you gave faithfully to the work of God. What we believe is that as you give faithfully, we shouldn't have to have all these extra special missions offerings. God's going to lead us to do what he has equipped us to do financially. And so God has already set the stage for you and I to be part of this. And so what, what, what do I encourage you to do? Continue to give. Just be faithful in giving. Now, there may be opportunities as people begin to say, I'll go on a mission trip, and you want to give straight to their, their fundraising efforts, that's fine. But listen, week in and week out, the mission of taking the gospel to the nations from Enon Baptist Church is being funded just because you gave every single week. Amen? Isn't that good? $100,000 is sitting there waiting to be used in spreading the gospel around the world. All right, so that's the first two tent pegs, pray and give. Third one is equip. We want to equip every single one of you to make disciples. Now, I realize there may be some of you who never go on the foreign mission field. That's okay. You still have a part to play because it's not just about foreign missions. We have local missions. And so we want you to be part of God's work here. Really, the truth is, the light that shines the brightest at home shines the farthest. And so we want you to be a part of what God's doing here, first and foremost, and then every now and then, go to the mission field, okay? And so we want to equip you to do that. That's the reason we have life groups. That's the reason we have equip classes. And there's going to be some things in the future that we roll out so that you guys can be equipped to make disciples. Fourth tent pick is go. Short-term international trips are already in the works. The first one, you can mark it on your calendar. July 12th through the 21st is to the Amazon River. My favorite mission field in the world is the Amazon River. I would love to be able to take you. In fact, I've got registration forms this morning with me. If you'll see me after church, I will give you a registration form. I've also got uh, passport applications with me. If you're thinking, you know, I don't want to go to the Amazon, but maybe God's leading me somewhere else, pick up an application and just say, Put your yes on the table and say, God, I will go. And so I'm going to put my yes on the table by filling out a passport application and sending it in so that you're ready the next time you hear God speak to you and say, this is where I want you to go. And so see me after church. I would love to be able to do those things. So go. Here's the fifth one, last one. As a church, we want to partner with missionaries and mission organizations that are already working around the world. That's what our desire is. And the reason we want to do that is because if we go on the mission field and we win people to Christ and then we leave and there's no one there to follow up with them or disciple them, then truth be known, our efforts are not going to be long-lasting efforts. God wants us. He called us in John chapter 15. He said, I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. And so as good stewards of that, we want to form partnerships with people who are going to do that. God is doing his best work through the local church around the world. And we want to partner with people who are planting churches and working right alongside churches. Okay? And that's the best way for us to, to make use of our missions effort is to partner with other people. Now, second half of your notes right there, we're not going to make it to that. But I want to, I want to give you one last kind of vision as we finish up here today. Revelation chapter 7, 
verses 9 and 10. You don't have to turn there. Let me paint this picture for you. The Apostle John has a vision. And there are people surrounded around the throne of God from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And they are there worshiping the Lamb. And they are saying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Can you imagine being part of that day? Just think of that. In your mind's eye, picture what that might be like one day. Listen, we're going to be there. If you know Jesus, we're going to be there. How incredible it would be to be in that moment. It's coming. That's the reality of every, all of our hopes. That's it. That's the reality of where we're headed one day. But how much greater would it be? Can you imagine having been part of making that day a reality? Because we go to the nations. Because we as a church and you as individuals say, I'll give, I'll go. I'll win people to Christ. I'll go in this area and I'll go across the world because that day I want to bring it to fruition. I want to be a part of that day. Amen? Isn't that a good picture? Listen, that's the challenge. The invitation has been put on the table for you and for me to be a part of that day. And so I say with William Carey, let's expect great things from God. Amen? Let's expect Him to do something. And let's even more so attempt great things for God. Listen, when the expectation and the prayer is made, God, would you just do something? And the will says, I'll attempt it. God says, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's reach people. Let's spread out our tent curtains. Let's drive our pegs deep. And let's go to the nations. From our neighbors to the nations. Let's attempt great things for God. Picture in Revelation chapter 7. It's an incredible picture. It's going to be a reality. And the truth is, there may be some of you here today who don't know Christ. And if you remain that way, if you remain out of a relationship with Jesus Christ, the truth is, you won't experience that day. It's going to be an incredible day. They're going to be shouting, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to Jesus. What an incredible day. And if you don't know him, I want to invite you to place your faith in him today. The way you do that is simple. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. And we call and confess that he is our Lord. Call on him to save us, that he'll do that. And so as we have our invitation time in just a moment, if you don't know him, I, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to give your life to him and start that relationship. In faith, just saying to God, God, I believe that Jesus really did what he said he did. And so I give you my life. Listen, that is the start of an incredibly different future for you. And it doesn't just start then, it starts now. God wants to use us each and every day. Amen? Isn't that good? Would, would you pray with me this morning? God, you didn't have to include any of us in your plans. But you love us. God, I believe that with all my heart. You love us more than we can ever imagine. And you love people that are far from us, God. And you are longing for us as a church to spread out our tent curtains, to reach the nations. God, I pray that you would burn that into our hearts. Let that be the passion from which we operate. I pray that you'd pour your spirit out for that purpose. God, I pray that...
If there's some who don't know you here today, I pray that you would draw them to you in faith. Don't let them leave without settling that with you, God. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for including us in your plans. You are so good. We just love you so much. God, I just pray that your spirit would have freedom to move in this moment. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.